If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we will begin in verse 21. Matthew 5, verse 21. Let me ask you a question this morning. Think about this. When's the last time you were angry at someone? No, that was a serious question. When was the last time you were angry at someone? Maybe you had a smile on your face because you've never been angry at somebody. Maybe you find yourself like me and you can't remember the last one because there's so many. This morning we are going to look at anger. Jesus speaks in the Sermon on the Mount of being angry and that subject matter of anger. And so this morning I want us to learn from Him. So if you have a copy of God's Word in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus is in the middle now of the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody's attention is on Him. He has already, if you are remembering back a few weeks, He has already given the attitudes of the kingdom. In Verse 2 down through verse 12, he gave the Beatitudes or what we entitled the attitudes of the kingdom or the attitudes of a kingdom citizen. And now he has turned his focus from there to that of actions for the kingdom and those kingdom citizens. We saw that we are to be salt and light. That he came to fulfill the law and not abolish it. And now he turns his focus in verse 21 with these words. You have heard it said. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you were offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak this morning through your word. 
Father, I pray that uh, every single one of us in the room, Father, we understand the gravity. We understand the weight of the argument that Jesus, Your Son, is making in these verses. That that it's not just for a group of people on a hillside some 2,000 years ago, but it is for us. It is, Lord, it is for me. In this moment. So Father, I pray that God, You would speak this morning in these moments. Bring glory to Your name. Advance Your kingdom in and through us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Three points about anger. If you're looking at this paragraph, and you're looking at the argument that Jesus speaks to in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. I am going to invert it, so to speak, and we are going to start at the end of the verses and work our way back to verse 21 and 22. So our first point this morning is this. It's found in verse 25 and 26, but it's this. Serious violations bring serious consequences. Serious violations bring serious consequences. What's the violation? Read with me there in verse 25 and 26 one more time. It states this, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Serious violations. There was something that took place between you and your accuser. You know This is in the text. You know you did wrong. You know you are the one who did the acting and it was wrong. You heard him. Maybe you've just put that on a back burner. You're just thinking, well, I'll sweep it under the rug and everything's going to go away. And there is a court date coming. There is a court filing and there is a reckoning coming to you. This is a serious matter. And Jesus says to you, with this serious violation, if you and I don't get our act together, there will be some serious consequences. So do everything you possibly can in your your power at this moment before the court date to work it out. Because when you give it to somebody else, you don't know how the outcome's going to be. So even as you're walking to the court, plead with him, what can I do? Because once it gets in the judge's hands, the judge will hand you over to the guard and the guard will throw you in the cell and you will not get out until every penny is paid. Serious violations bring about serious consequences. So how do we act upon that today? How is that in 2018 as we begin the month of July? 
Well, let's think about it for a second. First and foremost, you know you were in the wrong. You know you were wrong in this situation. You know you're the reason that this whole argument, this whole situation is coming up. So therefore, you need to act. And understand this, that your sin, my sin, the the great big ones and those small little bitty ones bring judgment and consequences in this life as well as the one that you and I will step into. And I understand that the consequences of my sin, because I am under the blood of Christ, I understand that my consequences of that sin, it is taken care of, past, present, and future. But there were consequences to my sin. It cost Jesus his life. So therefore, my little bitty sin that I think is, oh, well, that's just who I am. That's a little mistake. That's a mishap. That's, well, that's how God made me. I've got that attitude. Had it my whole life. Those little things that you and I just sweep away, there was a huge consequence. It cost Jesus everything. So remember those things. Act now. Do not put it off any longer. Act now to bring a resolution of the issue of the circumstance before the one who is Accusing. Second point. Reconciliation is called for when a wrong occurs. Not only in this passage do you and I see that there are some serious violations and consequences, but you and I are commanded, we are called to reconciliation. So what's reconciliation mean? It's a big word. What's it mean? To be reconciled. For you and for me, reconciliation is this. Let me define it this way. Reconciliation means to repair the relationship to a right place. To bring healing to a relationship that was or is damaged. Look at what Jesus states in verses 23 down through verse 25. So if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there. Leave it before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then, after you're reconciled with your brother, then come and offer your gift. Don't you think that's kind of out of place? When when I read those verses, and and I started thinking about those verses, I had to, to watch my thoughts. Because I was falling in the same trap that a number of the original hearers fell into. Because you see, the original hearers of this passage were in a Jewish culture. And those in their... In their mindset, they were like, all right, God is first. And hear me straight, God is first. Okay? There is no other God. There is one God. And you and I should love Him with everything that we have. 
they got that. That was the first thing they ever learned. First thing they ever recited was Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, the Shema. And that is what it states, that there is one God, and He is to be loved with everything in us. But when Jesus states this, when Jesus states this, River Ben, you, you and I have to, have to see what he's trying to get at, the argument that he is making. He is saying this, there is no way for you, River Bend, there, there's no way for me, there's no way for us to be in right standing with the Father if you are not in right standing with those on a horizontal plane. Can't do it. You can come in here every Sunday. You can open your mouth and you can have words come out of it. You can read the Word of God every single moment of every single day. If you are not right horizontally, meaning the relationships with your fellow men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ, those that you live around, work around, those that live at the same moment in time that you and I live as everybody. If our standing is not right with them, there is no way that you and I can worship properly. So therefore, he says, leave everything right here at the altar. Leave the gift. Leave the, the lamb. Leave the turtle dove. Leave the grain offering. Leave whatever that is. And go get right with your brothers. Then come back. And then give your offering. Those in the audience that day preached and preached and preached. If my outward appearance, if my outward obedience is good, then everything is good. If I come to you face to face and I have kind words for you face to face, then everything is okay. And Jesus says, no, that's not it at all. Not only when you are face to face with them, but when they are not even around. Not even when you are face to face with them and you are talking with them, but when you are face to face with them and you are thinking wrong. That has to change. Because it's not just an outward appearance. It's not just an outward obedience. There are inner things happening inside of you that matter. And for us to be reconciled, we have to be reconciled with those around us on a horizontal plane before we can come and be reconciled on a vertical plane. Paul stated it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. He said, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us, catch this, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because he's done all this stuff in verse 18 and 19, because he began the reconciliation in and through himself. Therefore, you and I are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you. I love that word. We urge you. We beg of you. We implore you. 
on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see what was happening? There in those verses, first and foremost, Jesus reconciled you to Himself. How did He do it? He gave His life. He took your place on the cross. He died. He shed His blood for you and for me. He did this and brought us to Himself. But not only that, second aspect of that is you and I are to act to make the relationships around us clear of brokenness. Think with me about some relationships. Think about the, the office. Think about the job site. Think about the eight to five. Adults, think about that person who is right over you. The man or the woman that you have to answer to. The manager who is, who is overlooking your time, overlooking your actions. How's that relationship? Is there some friction there? Is it because you resent them because "Ah, I've been with the company longer? I know more than that guy. I know more than her. What in the world are they thinking with that decision? Think about the house and those relationships. Hey, students, you think mom and dad are smart? Think mom and dad are dumb? Hey, husband, do you think your wife? Hey, ma'am, do you think your husband? Think about those relationships that you and I have. Is there friction there? Is there something that you have done? You have done. And because of it, harmony has left the house. Not too long ago, I had a conversation with an 80... Six, 87-year-old. She was a grandmother and she was speaking about her grandkids. And here's what she said. And I, I had to make a mental note because, I mean, she was fired up when she was talking to me about them. She said, every time I come in their presence, I punch Jesus at them. And at first I was like, awesome. She's like, no, I mean, when, when they come into the same vicinity of me, we, I, tell them about Jesus. And then she said these words. They never tell me anything. They never invite me over for family gatherings. They never tell me about birthdays. They never tell me about anything. And all I could do was sit there and think, I know why. Because how much, how much over the head pounding and beating and beating and bringing them down low, knowing the issues that are in their life, knowing the struggles, knowing the junk that they, can they take? I was her grandkid and I was in that situation. I wouldn't invite her either. 
for you and for me, these horizontal relationships have to be reconciled. Say, Brian, what, what do I do? Just never tell my grandkids? Did you tell her? Never tell her, tell their grandkids about Jesus? Never tell your boss? Never tell your coworker? Never tell family? Never tell neighbor? No. You tell them when the opportunity is there. Ask God to give you an opportunity. It's not the next time you see them, possibly, but there will be situations in a neighbor's life. There will be situations with the coworker. There will be situations in your life where you're like, hey, the only way that I made it was because of Christ. Do you understand this? Let me show you what's happened. Because the only way that I can make it today is because of what Christ has done. You and I must be witnesses. Yes, that's what we're called to, but there is an opportunity given. Take those opportunities. Don't make those opportunities necessarily. i got to get to the third point, but before I get there, let me just stir the pot just a second. Did you have trouble singing this morning? Did you have trouble worshiping this morning? We, we had opportunities given to you, given to myself, to worship. To come before the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. We had this opportunity given to us. My question is, did you have trouble singing? Did, did you have trouble worshiping? Could it be? Just to let you know the answer is yes. Could it be? The reason that is, is because of some horizontal relationships that are broken. And the reason you could not worship with the king of all kings in a vertical avenue is because your horizontal streets are not in working order. Do you think I'm just up here standing up here yelling at you? Raising my voice? You have broken relationships in your life that you need to, at this moment, I'm not, I'm not talking about 15 minutes from now, but I mean, you know there is a broken relationship. And you know you are the one who's caused it. That you need to get up and get right. Brian, that'd be awkward. No, that would be right. Are you mad at the world because you think God doesn't hear you? Do you always think that you have to be right? That you always think that you have to have the last say? Do you feel far from God today? Could it be? And emphatically, yes, it could be. All because of the relationships that you have at the workplace. The relationship you ha that you have in this life is not right. Which leads us to the third and final point. And three pages of notes, but we'll make it. Anger kills. I don't know how more blunt one could be than Jesus when He stated what He said in verse 21 and 22. As I read it for you, you see, pay close attention to see if you can hear the gasps and the moans and the groans of those in attendance on that hillside. 
You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. It's not there. There would be cheers right there. That's everything they had been taught. That is everything they had heard of from the time they were toddlers walking around in their mom and dad's hands. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. That's the government. That's the Sanhedrin. That's the Senate and the House. The Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. As he stated those words, I am sure that everybody in attendance who knew a Pharisee who was in attendance looked to see what their facial expression was. Everybody in attendance who was listening to Jesus as He said those words that it's not the outer action of murder that is going to make you liable, but this inner emotion and act which is anger that will make you liable to the council, that will make you liable even of that of the fire of hell. The gasp, the moans, the groans, the head nods, shaking back and forth. Anger is not just an inside emotion, it is an action. It is an action taken up against another, and it is one that must be stopped because it kills. In this two-verse statement, Jesus states, you have heard. He actually is going to say it six times in the Sermon on the Mount. All of those times, He is fighting against men and their tradition. He is fighting against the tradition of the Jewish culture, that of the Pharisees and their legalistic tendencies and ways. Jesus combats this, and He combats them. A few weeks ago, we went through the attitudes of the kingdom. And in those attitudes, Jesus states on these inside things, these inside matters, that they matter. And because of them, you and I have to have different actions. He gave the answer even before he starts listing out these problems. He has six problems that he is going to list out in the Sermon on the Mount. And each one of them can be attained, can be fought, can be answered by a beatitude. What is the beatitude that would answer these? Or what are the beatitudes that would answer these? If you look back to the beatitudes in verses 2 through 10, you'll see a number of them. But let me just draw our attention quickly to two of them. One is that if you and I, that first one, if you and I would come to the realization and the understanding that before God, spiritually speaking, we are poor in spirit, that we aren't any better than anybody else, That we need the Savior just as much, if not more, than the person beside us who we are angry at. Then that relationship would be better. 
If you and I would come to a further beatitude that states for those who mourn, that we would be comforted. And we spoke about mourning, and that would be that of confessing and looking at sin in our lives, in my personal life, in your life, in the need of a Savior who alone can bring comfort. Let's close. When I started the message this morning, when I started the message this morning, I asked you, who's the last person that you were angry at? Let me ask it a different way. Because this is what Jesus was stating in this passage. Who is the last person you were angry at? Who is the last person that you looked at them and wished they were dead? And you were holding the sword. You were holding the gun. You were holding the mechanism, the button to push, and poof, they would be gone. Do you have an anger problem? Sir, let me ask your wife that question. Maybe, maybe you need to get to a, uh, a room this afternoon. And it just be you and your spouse and say, all right, I'm ready to receive the answer to this question. I don't need to have the 17 examples of why the answer is what it is. But I love you. I trust you. Do I have an anger problem? Maybe we need to ask, not we, maybe you need to ask your children. Do you have an anger problem? For every single one of us, Jesus says anger kills. It kills relationships here on earth. I was reading a commentary this week and the commentator stated this. It's been said, anger burns the bridge that you and I must cross to mend the relationship that is broken. The internal attitudes of the heart are the proper foundation. Those beatitudes, they are the proper foundation and source of external actions. The heart that is properly rooted in and built on Jesus will produce good fruit and withstand the storms of life. Thus, your discipleship, my discipleship to Jesus often requires us to focus on the heart attitude, the beatitudes which will naturally overflow into a witness to the world and produce a life of righteousness that fulfills God's will in our lives instead of acting out in anger. In this passage, Jesus takes anger and He drives it home. And my question to you and my question to myself all week has been this. Are you, Brian, are you, seriously, Riverbend, are you going to allow all the relationships that you and I find ourselves in and amongst on a weekly and daily basis, are you going to allow them to stop you from worshiping the one true God? Because if those relationships aren't right, 
If there is anger in those relationships, if those relationships are broken, you and I will be obstructed from worship. Brian, that's heavy. Yep. It was so serious. It was so serious that Jesus upset the whole of the Jewish culture first. First. Before He said anything else, we're going to see five more of them over the coming weeks. Before He said anything else, He said, this has to be worked out right. And River Bend, for us to be who God has called us to be, for you to be, for me to be who He's called you and me to be. Relationships have to be dealt with. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that every single one of us who have issues with anger, we would do whatever we possibly can to be a peacemaker in the situation before that situation is taken out of our hands and we find ourselves in front of a government official. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that You would search our hearts right now. You have come into this world to encourage, to convict, and to be a witness for the Son, for Jesus. Holy Spirit, would You convict me, would you convict us where our, our relationships are lacking so that there would be no obstruction between us and the Father. We're about to stand and we're about to sing, church. We're about to have an opportunity to respond promise you, promise you, if there is a relationship that needs to be dealt with at the house, across the fence with neighbors, friends, workers, fix that one. Fix that one. And you will be able to worship as never before. God desires for you to come with no obstructions for you to sing, for you to bask in His weight of His glory, His majesty. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. Father, we worship You and You alone. Do we worship? We sing to You the audience of one. We worship You the audience of one today. Draw us close. Convict. Encourage. Father, may we walk across that bridge and mend that relationship today. I ask it in Christ's name. Stand and join with us as we sing.